Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. A swing and a... Sports on a Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. 15 on KMOX. Cardinals, happy birthday, Adam Wainwright. Let's get this thing back in order, okay? It's, this is a big day for the Cardinals. We have Mike Schilt coming up here in about eight minutes. But, you know, we're going to see what the Cardinals are made of today. They have had a tough go of it. Yesterday is a tough way to lose, Brian Kelly. And we will be discussing that. I'll tell you what, it was a good day. I, I watched the game later, mm-hmm. just uh, so people understand. I did not watch everything unfold live because I was at a track watching Scott Dixon outrace Takuma Sato in what was a very cool Pretty IndyCar cool, event. Yeah. So cool that I wish they had another one. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. They do have another one today. <laughs> uh, 240 again. So congratulations to everybody out there at Worldwide Technology Raceway. I mean, they've really worked hard mm-hmm. to get to this point, haven't they? I mean, Curtis Francois, you think about what he put into that track from his own personal finances. He got the backing from the corporate world here in St. Louis, and one of the first guys to step up was John Bomarito. Yeah. And he said, you know what? You have a dream to run an IndyCar race and NASCAR at some point. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. I'll put my name on the IndyCar race. That track was closed just a few years ago. Yeah. It was nothing. And now it's got all this activity, and the fans, you know, as many as can now are there this year, but they've had great crowds there the first few years of the Bomberito Automotive Group 500. It is, it's great to see. I'm telling you, if you're thinking of getting up and getting moving today and getting something going today, mm-hmm. that's the spot. I, I'm telling I went there yesterday, and you know me, Brian, I haven't gone out in public at all. I mean, I, I barely go to a store. I have not gone to one restaurant except for curbside and delivery. Uh, I do delivery on groceries. I go from home to KMOX to home and maybe once in a while pop into a, you know, a convenience store, someone with a mask on or get gas in the car. You know, I just don't. So my first sporting event with fans since March 12th, when Klebs and I did that spring training game, they got, mm-hmm. uh, they canceled spring training at the end of it, which Adam Wainwright started oddly enough. But anyway, uh, and I felt completely safe yesterday. I had, so what they do, they park you. They, you walk in with a mask, they take your temperature, you walk in, and suddenly you're in this familiar world of people walking and getting concessions, and everything is totally fine. Like, I think at this point, we're used to wearing a mask, so I you didn't really be. think much about it. Yeah. And everybody else is wearing one, too. When you sit down in your seat, you're socially distanced, and you're outside, so, hey, take my mask off, have a couple beers. And it holds, what, 77,000 people, so there's plenty of room to spread out. Lots of room to spread out, yet it still feels big because you have all the cars, Mm -hmm. all the teams, the track announcer, the video board, even the Wallace family grandstands are not 
filled, but you see some fans there, and their fans scattered. So they've distributed the tickets so that you're not, I was, you know, 10, 15 feet from the nearest person, but yeah. you're there. And so you feel really good about being there. The sound of the cars, everything was great. So yeah, but in 2020 fashion, as soon as they wave the green flag, they drop the green, and there's a crash before they even cross the start. <laughs> and three drivers were out, uh, including uh, Alexander Rossi, who was right up there near the mm-hmm. top. But anyway, that's uh, when you know you're going to have a you're having a bad day. Yeah, so they you know they ran some laps under caution, and then they got going, and they, they it was a fast moving race there for a while. I think they ran about a hundred or so until there was another caution, and that's just because it was sprinkling outside. Mm-hmm. So it, it turned out to be a great race. Scott Dixon had Takuma Sato all over him, and ended up shaking him off this time in the reverse of what happened in the Indy Five Hundred because Sato beat him uh, last week. So it was neat. So I, I'm I'm very very happy about it. Good, yeah, and uh, it's a great track. People, the, the drivers seem to really enjoy the track, the way it's laid out. Uh, kind of a uh, strange, you know, the, the turns one and two are basically one big, long turn, kind of. Anyway, it, it's a unique track, and uh, the, the drivers really seem to enjoy it. You know, I remember when we had the kart racing here years ago, and it seemed like they scheduled it to fail because of one weekend, I think it was, this is back when they were split, the Indy car and, and kart were separate. And they scheduled a kart race here like the same weekend as the Indy 500 one year. And then they scheduled it the weekend that the Rams played the Niners. And I think the same day it was the Cardinals and Cubs. And I thought, are you trying to make this fail? (laughs) And it kind of did. And now that they've brought it back with Curtis Francois and all the gang over there, it's uh, it's been going great guns. So it's great to see. It's great. If there was ever a time for you to see this track for the first time, like Mm -hmm. if you've never been over there, I think IndyCar is perfect. Now, NASCAR trucks are going to run here at like 11. They're loud. Yeah. So if you if you want to go to that, that's awesome. If you want to just glide in around 1.30 this afternoon, plenty of time. I did not arrive at the track yesterday till about 1.30, 1.45. Mm-hmm. And I w- it was easy in, easy out. Yeah. And, you know, there's not a lot of traffic. It was very easy. The tickets, I, it's pretty close to sold out, I think, for today. But there still might be some. And any seat is good. Yeah. I walked right in, got my... Uh, the hot dog and a soda, and then uh, after that, I was like, "All right, it's time for time for timing to have a little cold one." <laughs> I'm a spectator today, so you That's know, I had right. a, had a Bud Light, sat there and watched these guys, and it was just awesome. Yeah. And today, the sun's shining. Yesterday, we had some cloud cover. I just mm-hmm. think that if you if you've never, and Indy cars aren't that loud, really. You know, there's a gap where you can chat or talk if yeah. you want to, but I I would just enjoy yourself and and take it all in because yeah. you know they don't. They only come around once a year, and it's very, very cool. And the parking you mentioned is great. I mean, even when I went two years ago and it was crowded, we had 40,000, 50,000 people there. It didn't take long at all to get out of there after the race. And so I can imagine with what they're allowing now, uh, the parking, the ingress and egress is going to be just fine. So, yeah. yeah, and it's going to be a gorgeous day. Low humidity. We were afraid it was going to rain a lot today. And that's out of the forecast for that area. Just far south, we might see some rain. So otherwise, it's going to be a perfect day for racing. Great spot. Five minutes from the Arch Worldwide Technology Raceway. BK, have a great day. It's a great day for baseball. And Mike Schilt is going to join us in two minutes to talk about the Cardinals. Thanks. If you need a guy to turn it around, we got the guy on the mound today. I hear you. We're going to get into that and more with Mike Schilt, Cardinals manager, is next. The following is a special presentation of sports on a Sunday morning. Welcome to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. 
Welcome to the program. It is the Cardinals manager, Mike Schilt, as always. What a beautiful day for baseball, Mike. It's a new day and a new game with Adam Wainwright, the birthday boy, on the mound today at 115. How are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How about yourself? Doing great. Adam Wainwright, of course he's pitching on his birthday. His 39th birthday. What a <laughs> what a life. What a man. What a career. What a Cardinal. Yeah, all of the above. I mean, he's um, beyond special on and off the field and uh, excited for him to be able to pitch today and especially on his birthday. It's um, quite a cool thing. It is indeed. And you'll be taking on this Cleveland Indians team that's uh, been a thorn in your side here. You lost on Friday 14-2. to And yesterday, the much-talked-about 2-1 to loss in 12 innings. And I know you've answered a lot of questions already about this, so we're not going to harp on it too much, but we are going to talk a little harp bit about it. all you want, Tom. <laughs> I hear you. That's what we do on the Mike Schultz Show. We talk about things, and we, we break it down. So, But, but I want to start with this, was my point, is that one thing you weren't able to talk about uh, with the media was the play at the end when Yachty... Uh, did not break right away and ended up getting caught between third and home because you hadn't seen the video, I don't believe. So now that you have and you've reviewed the situation, uh, what are your thoughts on what happened at the end of the game yesterday? Uh, I believe I did speak to the media about it. I have seen it. I don't think my opinion's changed a ton about it. Um, you know, I mean, it's pretty obvious what happened. Um, you know, the guy made a pretty good play. It was a, a yachty broke, stopped um, like he should have, and then thought the ball, you know, again, I haven't spoke to Yachty about it. Um, pretty pretty long game. Um, and I had some responsibilities. And But, yeah, you know, he broke and then thought the ball was foul, I'm, I'm guessing. And and uh, clearly it, it wasn't. Whether it was or wasn't, it was called fair. And, um you saw the rest. Yeah, I did. I it looked it did look to me when you see the video. Uh, this is different though in real time, but it does to me when I see the video it looks like it's foul, but it's called fair and that's the situation. It's just a, it's one of those deals and Yadi got caught and the game was over, but it, it was it's not the reason that the Cardinals lost the ball game. I mean, there's been some misses offensively. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. right? And and then you have the Paul DeYoung situation where it, how how can you explain that one? The only thing I could think of is that he thought the ball was going to drop off Goldschmidt's bat. I think that was pretty clear assessment. That's pretty much it. Do you? I mean, it's disappointing, but uh, you move on. What can you say to to Paul DeYoung? Not a whole lot, Tom. I mean, you know, I mean, look. Um, I hate to break it to people, but we're human. And, um, you know, I don't want to excuse it, but, uh, you know, it's a tricky play at the end of the game. Um, I can easily explain because no one, you know, really asked, like, what did, could you have run for Yachty? Sure, I could have completely run for Yachty. Had Nagowski and kids on the bench and, and um, you know, a tick above their, his speed for Yachty, um, but not by any stretch burners. Um, yeah, I thought Yachty, we did some good things yesterday as well. Um, and Yachty goes out and gets a great read on the ball that's tough. When a ball gets under a catcher to start the 12, um, 
he read that ball really, really well, and that's the reasons one of the reasons he was running is because Yachty's a really, really good base runner. Um, he's a he's one of our best base runners we have, and and you know, not to say the kids or Nagowski couldn't have read that ball, um, but he gets to third based on his experience, and then at that point, you know, we just don't have the speed to really think about on a tag. Yachty's slower than those other two guys. The other factor is, and I know it's 12 innings. And, and but he was still catching and blocking unbelievably. But Yachty was shepherding through um, a lot of different guys in a lot of different tough situations the entire game, um, including Gomber and you know Gio got his double play ball. Um, but he turned a runner second base, made a big time call on the bunt to get um, the shield to third. Johnny Gant makes a really nice play. Uh, and then he gets Alex Reyes through a couple innings uh, with runners at second base to start the inning with younger pitchers. And, you know, guys, a tie and run. We still needed to take the lead. Um, I know you had to tie before you win it, but we had younger guys coming in after that with virtually no major league experience. So, you know, there's a lot of the reasons why he was in that position. As far as Paul DeYoung goes, you know, candidly, we have and no excuse for Paul. He, he didn't know he'd do it again. I'm in the habit of chastising guys for a mistake they make, um, unless it's consistent. Um, Paul, Paul didn't get a good read. He also had probably been on the bases in practice since um, probably July 25th. So, you know, you could say, well, why isn't he on the bases? Well, first of all, he's out for three weeks with COVID. And then after that, you know, we're playing baseball every single day, twice a day, day games after night games, extra innings. Um, so our time our you know energy management for our players right or wrong but um it's not getting them on the basis for early work i get it It, it, that's the thing is it's hard to sit there and, and crash down on the cardinals even though they are the cardinals and they are held to a very high standard based on everything that you've been through as an organization there has to be some time and uh I don't know if it's a grace period, but there has to be some time where you can say this club has gone through a lot. They are going through a lot. And like you said, they are human beings and things are going to happen. Uh, And I guess that can also be related to the offense. Again, I'm not making excuses, and I know you're not either. You know, that is what it is. What's that? Sorry. Wouldn't dare. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't dare to make excuses. You know, I mean, I do feel, and and, you know, I don't know what what's outside our walls a whole lot. You know, from a media, you know, we have responsibility to high standards. I welcome them, always have. We do, always will. You know, we like to play a certain style of baseball. Um, and I won't make excuses for the group. Facts are facts. You know, um, we did a lot of things well. We've done a lot of things well. Um, you know, we. It, it, the timing is, of things not going well the last couple of days um, and some close games is, is, has not been great. Um, is it frustrating? Oh, absolutely. Do we excuse it? Do we expect more? Absolutely. Um, we also know that, um, you know, you'd like to appreciate the fact that it's not always going to be the case every single time out and a little bit of grace just in general. Um, not that we need it. You know, look, I don't, don't necessarily have to have it, but um, can't explain it a little bit. When it comes to offense, what is the big difference in your mind? How do you succeed with runners in scoring position in situations uh, like that as opposed to 
bases empty, and, and they go hand in hand because you got to get people on base to drive in runs. But what what do you think is the issue? And if you if you knew how to solve it, the, the Cardinals would be knocking runs all over the place. But what, what do you think is the biggest issue offensively right now? Um. Well, again, um, hitting's probably gotten harder to do than anything else in the game. Um, the fact of the matter is we do need to execute. Um, it can be easier said than done. You are dealing in some cases with it's a learned thing to do at the big leagues. Some guys learn it really early. Um, some guys have a feel for it. Some guys, you know, still have – have to get a lot of experience or get some experiences and there's a learning curve to it, which, you know, patience is, is, um, can be required, but also can be, can be, um, necessarily then go hand in hand when you want to, you know, expect to compete at the very highest level every year. Um, but it's really about an approach, you know, and, and, uh, it's not as easy with the, with the, understanding of teams and we did the same thing i mean you know look we've um on a positive note you know we pitched pretty pretty darn well um and we've we've defensively been behind a lot of baseballs and um our defensive run saved is really really high and the point i'm making on that side of it is we have a really clear understanding of of based on a lot of measures our own reports and also some of the good stuff we get from our baseball development, how we defend things. And um, Cleveland's been a pretty advanced metric team for a while um, about how they're going to pitch guys and in certain situations and then how they're going to defend guys. And they're in a pretty good spot. They're above average defensive club. You can tell there's a method to the madness of what they're doing, why they're doing, how they're doing it. Um, and so they just, they're in sync with their pitching and their defense. Um, and, and so what what has to happen um you know we have to continue to think about staying in the middle of the field driving the ball the other way um if you notice you know dylan hit the ball down the line um and it was two inches you know three inches whatever it was guy made a dive and attempt at it um we should have caught it but um you know it's a couple more inches the other way it's you know he's, he's got a great approach and then the guy pounded him in, took a tough pitch. Then he rolled over one to first. Um, you know, the biggest thing is probably stay in the middle of the field. Is traditionally, as we most of us know, that's followed this game for a long time, and it's no secret um, to you, to anybody on our clubhouse for sure. Um, you know, that's what it. That's what we're looking to do: executing it and learning how to execute it in real time in the big leagues. Um, sometimes takes a little bit of adjustment for people, and um, you know. That's what we have. It's kind of like you you can't have too many thoughts going through your mind up there. And that's hard to learn. It's something that you do have to learn and adjust to, right? I mean, if you go up there without too many thoughts and trying to think of all the different ways and trying to do too much, I guess they say, or some people use the word pressing, if you can go up there and have a clear mind, sometimes that's the best way to go. But that's it's the big leagues, man. It's hard to It's hard to do sometimes. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a skill. And then some people would say it's, it's not. And, and that's their, they could have their opinion about that. And, um, my experience has been, um, guys do have an innate ability to do it. Um, 
and have the right approach. There is a a, um, a certain understanding of how to kind of regulate those those thoughts. You know, for people to think, well, you know, you guys should work on it. Um, I can confidently tell you it's worked on a lot. Um, and you know, but getting in that box and and dealing with guys at the back end of the bullpen, and that's another thing that you know you have to appreciate. It's a pretty good bullpen that we're facing. Um, you know, they're they've got good stuff too. Um, you know, you got a Perez back there won a Gold Glove um, that knows what he's doing as well. Uh, how to pitch guys. It's just a lot of different variables that take place that that um, experience comes into play, approach comes into play, and, you know, you grow from experiences. And I'd love the fact that, you know, guys could just hop up there and be calm and take a, take that kind of a bat. But it's, um, it's, a, it's not as easy as you would think it would be. Cleveland Indians have the best ERA in Major League Baseball, 2.75. But the Cardinals have the best staff in baseball in batting average against teams hitting just 198 against the Cardinals this year. You could say these are the two best pitching teams in baseball right now going head-to-head. Cardinals play today at 115. Mike will come back and chat a little more as you make your way into this third game of the series, the Cardinals and the Cleveland Indians. It's the Mike Schilt Show. The Cardinals manager is with us. I'm Tom Ackerman. Sports on a Sunday morning continues right after this. Now, back to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to the program at 1036 with Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. I'm Tom Ackerman. It is the Mike Schilt Show. It is Cardinal Baseball at 115 today against the Cleveland Indians. Tomorrow is the Major League Baseball trade deadline. We'll have John Mosellock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations, on the way at 1130. We'll ask him all about that. Mike, I wouldn't burden you with trade deadline questions. That's not your area necessarily, although as manager, uh, you certainly have uh, plenty to say, I know, and you have on this show in the past where when I brought up the trade deadline, you said, you know what, Tom, I I believe in the group that we have. And I'm certain that, you know, during the trade deadline, things can happen and that everybody in that clubhouse understands that. But uh, you continue to show confidence in your club. Yeah, I mean, that's the group we have. I love the group we have. I mean, clearly, um, you know, we're still trying to get back to full strength, but um, you know, Mo will make whatever decision he thinks fits for the club, and and I will manage whatever that looks like. And moving forward, you'll be uh, taking on some teams. So this uh, this team right here, this Indians team, is good. I mean, they're first place team in the AL Central. Uh, taking a look at your schedule moving forward, you'll be going to Cincinnati. You got the Reds for three on uh, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, then a day off on the 3rd, which the Cardinals have not had for a while, and the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley, and then uh, a couple of games at Wrigley following that. The Cardinals don't play the Cubs at Busch Stadium, all the games at Wrigley, but they will be the home team for some of those, I do believe. That's going to be on one of those on uh, the 5th, as a matter of fact, also. Anyway, uh, let's. I wanted to, to mention this. I think it was very special that the team wore 42 again yesterday. Uh and, and you know, this has been a very difficult year for a lot of reasons. Uh, to be able to celebrate Jackie Robinson and to have Jack Flaherty on the mound yesterday doing it, I thought was a poignant moment. He has been, uh, this has been some year for him, athletically, uh, socially uh, as well. He has been very outspoken. He's He is some young man, isn't he, Jack Flaherty? 
Yeah, Jack's special. Um, special talent, special heart, special conscious. Um, you know, Jack, uh, he takes a stand. And um, I just have a lot of respect for somebody that stands up for what they believe in and and um, is not only wanting to create awareness, but wanting to create solution. And, and I know he's trying to, as we all are, at least some of us, trying to figure out what that looks like for a better better tomorrow, um, what we can do today for a better tomorrow so we can have a little bit more um, peace with what we're doing and how we're doing it and a little more love in the world. Um, and I know that's where Jack's heart is, and I applaud it. And, um, you know, it's, it's just nice to be able to, you know, provide a tribute and to, and to have a, a – and to be able to study and talk about such an amazing positive influence not only in our game but in our society and Jackie Robinson because I think he stood for and went about for things the way um you know we would maybe like everyone to think about and it was it's just a good good reference point and a great good opportunity to honor a great man and it's fitting that Jack was able to to be a part of that yeah I don't know if you're wearing the 42s again today but that was a very special Friday Saturday also Dexter Fowler um, Jack stood in solidarity with him and other professional athletes uh, around the country in sitting out a game last week. And uh, could you tell us as much as you can about how that came about and what the clubhouse reaction was to it, including yourself, Mike, as Dexter Fowler uh, sat out of the game? Yeah, full support. I mean, you understand it. I have had a lot of really great conversations with, with both the uh, gentlemen and uh, echoing what I said about Jack relative to Dexter, you know, Dex is a is a very conscientious um, young man that cares about a lot of different things. cares about people first and foremost, and um, but also as a, as a as a person that people look to in, in our game, do they respect um, rightfully so that um, it is an African American male that is in a position where. Um, you know, there's decisions to be made, hard decisions, and you know, the line between supporting what you believe off the field to still making sure you're supporting and being available and being for your with your guys, you know, here in the clubhouse and on the field. And, and our whole clubhouse, including myself, I was very clear to Dex personally that look, you do what you need to do. We've got your we've got your back. We'll have your back. Um, you know, this is an opportunity for you to do something that you, it's really important to you. That's that's candidly, I know it's hard to believe, it's hard to say, but there is some things that are bigger than baseball, Tom. Um, and and you know, Dak um, Dex made a took a stand. Jack had his had his back. Um, we talked about what that looked like. Had full support for him, and and we'll continue to do so. This group's, you know, generally speaking, about. Um, Making sure we can think about doing things moving forward because awareness is being created. But what do we do with that awareness, and how do we help our communities and and just have a better place and a peaceful place um, that I, that I think really most of us want. But um, you know, and then Dex is doing something very generous, and he's donating his salary from that day's game to a couple different ventures, some at, in his home in Las Vegas, and and some here in in, in St. Louis. So um, Roy thought that was a first-class touch as well. Absolutely. And I love him saying that he wants to do more in the community, and he would be absolutely embraced and, and right now figuring out how he can do that. He is he's really special, and so is Dex. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad Dex is in St. Louis. I'm, I'm really happy that he's here, and, and I hope that he 
he and his family continue to be happy and comfortable here and that they can uh, move forward uh, in, in a great direction. Uh, I really like Dexter Fowler personally and also as a player. And Mike, uh, you know, you look ahead at uh, everything that's happening with your club right now. There's a lot of baseball left ahead of you. And I personally think that as long as, and of course you need the offense, that's for sure. We've already talked about that. But as long as you continue to pitch well, and you have, um, you need that depth, though. You need pitching depth, and it's getting tested here a little bit. But as long as you have that depth and pitch, I think you can hang in this race. A lot of balls still to be played. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, I mean, <laughs> kind of talked about this, and I do know I'm not an overreactor. I'm not an underreactor, Tom. Um, you know, we, um, you know, so soon we forget that, you know, we've won three out of four against Cincinnati and two out of three against um, Kansas City and had some walk-offs and some real positive moments and did a lot of things really, really well. And and um, I don't want to be naive that we haven't done some things as well as we'd like recently, but, I mean, I don't want to just, you know, run around going the sky's falling because um, we, we have a, a, a very capable club that, you know, is dealing with a lot of stuff. And, um, yeah, the pitching's been a – you know, been a huge asset for us. Mike Maddox, Brian Eversker, they've done their part, they've done their job. The players have really stepped up. You mentioned the depth that's continuing to get tested. Um, you know, one of the bigger challenges is just making sure we can we can keep them healthy um, with as many games as we're playing. Of course, the extra innings and the doubleheaders and the day games after the night games and, you know, still still not compromising people's health to, to, to win games. But we do know we're here to win games. So, just putting that big puzzle together. But you know, the offense, I mean, if, when we spoke a couple of weeks ago or even less than 10 days ago, people in the media sessions I have and on the show were like, yeah, the offense is clicking, the offense is clicking, and you have a couple guys um, throw pretty well against you, and then you you have another couple guys, you know, you, that show up, that hit their spots, and you run into some pretty good bullpens, and you don't get those big hits on a couple of three days. It's The sky is not falling. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what about uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon? And it looks like you've got a pretty good one in Johan Oviedo. Tell us about that change in your rotation. Yeah, you know, I mean, Ponce just um, rough outing, um, clearly, and just uh, not enough consistent strikes. Um, when he does that, he's really effective, and he's shown the ability to be that. Um, but Oviedo's sees the opportunity as the as the 29th man in uh, Chicago and took the second game of the doubleheader against Pittsburgh and was able to give give us five innings of, of you know, keeping him to two runs. And, um, you know, big kid, you know, it's a good-looking young man that gets out there and, and uh, has a good arm and has good secondary pitches. And, you know, he's still going to figure out some things as he goes along in this league, but he's got the stuff and he's got the competitive drive to, to succeed, and he can't ask for much more. You also brought in relievers Kaminsky, Elledge, and Meisinger. Uh, Kaminsky, the lefty, and Elledge has been uh, pretty good, I think, too. I, there, Tell us about that depth that you bring in. Yeah, we're still getting to know him. I mean, uh, they both were in our, in our big league camp and, and got a little bit of work and, and – uh, you know, they were able to, to be a part of the, the 60 and get some work in Springfield, and they came up and, um, you know, Kaminsky had a clean inning in both Chicago series, and, um, you know, he's more of a ground ball guy, and, and Ella just, um, 
got, you know, pretty good arm. You know, got some life on his fastball, pretty good slider. Um, the key to them historically and will continue to be is just controlling counts, you know, getting their stuff in the zone, realizing it plays at this level and trusting it. And um, especially against a club like Cleveland that, that has the uh, highest walk rate in baseball. So you got to really, you got to be in the strike zone against this group. And, um, but they're both guys that clearly have ability. And Robbie was our first round pick years ago. And, and um, it's just good to see his work his way in here. And, They'll get, uh, they'll get some opportunities like a lot of guys are. How's Carlos Martinez coming along, Mike? Uh, pretty well. You know, Carlos is getting built back up and uh, threw a lot of batting practice um, for uh, two innings. I think he threw about 30 pitches, 31 maybe, and um, felt good, recovered well. You know, his velocity was, he was like 91, 93. And the reports were pretty good sink and the slider, you know, it was pretty pretty um, typical of Carlos's slider and he felt good, wasn't working too hard, I don't think. And, um, you know, we'll build him back up to, to get him back to helping us start, and we're going to need him with the number of doubleheaders we have coming up. And you mentioned this in the last segment about your bullpen, and it's worth noting how Yachty guided this group through. Uh, got Cabrera, Gomber, Gallegos, and Gant. A lot of Gs in there. Uh, all put in uh, great work, put up zeros. Reyes ended up being the losing pitcher in the 12th, but – uh, he went two innings. So, I mean, you have uh, you have some good depth there as well. Did you like what you saw from your pen yesterday? Well, that's what we saw a lot. I mean, um, Cabrera was sharp in his inning. Um, went out with a, a nail that has bothered him um, in spring training and resurfaced, so he's going to be a couple of days probably. Um, thought Gomber was good, got out of some jams. Um, you know, I thought Yachty had a pretty good play in a couple of times, and you know, but give Austin credit for being able to execute. Um, you mentioned Gio. He comes in, gets double play ball in the eighth, clean ninth. Um, Johnny Gant makes a really nice play on the bunt. Um, I mentioned earlier to get the out of third and, and wiggle out a few things to make some pitches and, and throw up a donut. And then Alex threw up a, a zero looking sharp in the 11th. And, you know, you got to remember these guys are starting as runners on second base. So they're navigating out of the hole a little bit from the beginning and, um, then the 12th, you know, the, uh, Hernandez, you know, soft single to right center and, but we limit damage to give yourself a chance to keep it to one run. But, you know, when you talk about the depth, we've had seven innings ever a bullpen yesterday. And, and, um, you know, we had, um, with Ponce getting two thirds of an inning in the first game, you know, you had seven and two thirds in the, in the, uh, in the second game and, you know, opening game of the series. So now you're looking at, a lot of work out of that bullpen. Um, and there's been a fair amount of work out of the bullpen because, as you know, previous, and when we started back up after the pause, we just didn't have starters stretched out. Um, so that, that required more load on the on the bullpen. So we'll just keep managing it, and um, we'll keep, keep seeing who's the freshest guys, and we'll put them in as good a spot as we can. We appreciate the time as always, and I know that uh, the Cleveland Indians, who have gotten you the first two, will be in for a fight today. Uh, before we go, though, uh, the memorable play of the week is sponsored by Dolan Memory Care Homes. If you have a loved one with dementia that needs a safe place to live, contact Dolan Memory Care Homes, where they have no more than 11 residents per household. Visit dolancare.com. Uh, I know that uh, you love to focus on these positives, and and, and certainly... 
we do that in this segment with Dolan Care Memory Homes. Is there a play this week that you look back <laughs> and you smile you, that just gives you a good memory from this week? Yeah, there's a lot of good memories. You know, we didn't talk about the week a lot, Tom. Yeah. Um, we had a, you know, um, there was a, a lot of good things. You know, Colton had a couple walk-offs. I think the the memory of just in general the ninth against Kansas City, um, you know, we're down three, you know, talking about fighting. This group will fight, you know, and some days it's it's good enough and, and some days it's not. But uh, question of effort and um, the fact of what these guys are, are bringing and living with them like I'm living with them and seeing how they're going about it and seeing their heart is pretty impressive. And, um, you know, that was indicative of that, you know, down five to two um, in the ninth and, and score four runs and, and uh, you know, Colton walks them off with the walk. Um, but just a, just an impressive outing overall. So I was, I brought a smile. That absolutely. You're down to your last out, down five to two. Molina hit by a pitch, drives in a run. O'Neill drives in two with a hit. There was a wild pitch. There was a walk. There was Colton Wong at the plate. Here's how it sounded. The rookie, uh, Carlson, uh, is at first base. O'Neill's down at second base. Yadier Molina, the veteran at third. 3 1 pitch. Here it is. Colton Wong. He walks, and the Cardinals win this one 6-5 with a walk-off walk. You believe this game? No. The Redbird. <laughs> Unreal. Unreal, to say it to leave. Cardinals win it 6-5 in nine innings. Oh, the cardboard cutouts absolutely loved it. No, listen to those fireworks going off, and Cardinals fans love that. So just like you said, Mike, it's important to remember some of the games that did go your way, and that one certainly did. That was some effort there at the end. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was good. Yeah, it's important, you know. Look, I mean, we, you know, it's easy to to dwell and on things that aren't going good in our society, and days that aren't good consecutively here aren't fun. Uh, we don't enjoy them, but um, man, if we don't forget to appreciate some of the things that do go well, you know, in a world that's harder and harder to find joy, we're gonna, um, you know, tough sledding. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well. Let's see what happens today. Cardinals and Indians, a 115 start. Thank you for taking this time with us very much, and good luck to your club today. Thanks, Tom. Have a blessed day. You too. There's the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, Mike Schilt, on KMOX every Sunday in the 10 o'clock hour. We'll take a quick break, wrap up this hour, and next hour, a lot of good stuff to get to. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Well, a lot going on in sports, that's for sure. Thanks to Mike Schilt for joining us. Really a good discussion there, I thought, in the 10 o'clock hour about everything that's happening with the club, both good and bad. And if you want to listen to it, all you have to do is hit the rewind feature on our radio.com app. It's that simple. It'll take you right back to, when did he join us, James? 1017, exactly. 1017 was when we came back from break. And Mike Schilt, that's all you have to do. Just take it back to 1017. Coming up after the 11 o'clock news, a little bit about the St. Louis Blues. We're going to hear from Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube about what went wrong for them and how they recover and chase that Stanley Cup again. That's after the 11 o'clock news. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.